This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money Series XM Channel 132 Business Radio that's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smethers, a professor here at Wharton Campus in Philadelphia, and we are still taping these segments uh, via Zoom as the University of Pennsylvania remains closed. Uh, uh, until then, you can also connect with me online uh, it, uh, at kentonmoney.com. Uh, again, kentonmoney.com. I have a growing list of financial advisors there that I've screened. And uh, if you can't find one in your area, you can, again, uh, find one there at kentonmoney.com. Remember, we only look for only fee only. That's what we always want to memorize, only fee only in terms of our type of uh, uh, financial advice that we want to work with. All right. So the share of U.S. mortgages uh, that transitioned from current to past due reached its highest level in at least 21 years uh, in April of this year and exceeding a, a previous peak from November 2008, if you can believe it. And so that's according to a new report by CoreLogic, which provides global property information analytics and data enabled solutions to its clients. And uh, how much did the coronavirus pandemic influence those numbers? My guest today is going to break it down for us. Uh, welcome to the show, Frank Notaf, who is the chief economist uh, for CoreLogic and before CoreLogic. He held leadership positions uh, at, uh, at Freddie Mac. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, uh, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me today, Kent. And so you have very interesting press release that you guys at, uh, at CoreLogic issued on uh, past due payments. And so, but for listeners who aren't familiar with CoreLogic, it's a, a big name in uh, academics. So a lot of academics use your data but it just briefly, uh, a quick overview of CoreLogic. Sure, uh, CoreLogic is a real estate technology and data analytics company. Uh, we provide a lot of uh, resources to um, our clients to help people buy, uh, find, and uh, protect their homes. But we're strictly B2B. So we're providing yeah. products and solutions to uh, banks, insurance companies, real estate agents, who are then directly helping consumers find, buy, and acquire their homes. Yeah, and academics. Academics use your data as well, though those who study um, real estate. And so the data in your newest report is from your Loan Performance Insights uh, report for uh, April. I mean, give me a, an overview of the latest data, including the states and the regions that show the largest increases in delinquencies of payments. Sure, we saw a big spike in past due rates on mortgages in April. And this is off of a really, really low delinquency and foreclosure rates. In fact, a right. generational low in delinquency and foreclosure rates prior to the pandemic. Uh, but in our latest report for April, which is the first full month uh, of data after the pandemic uh, was declared here and the national emergency declared in the U.S., we saw a big jump in past due rates. And I'll give you an example. The 30-day uh, the, um, uh, delinquency rate uh, here in the United States uh, more than doubled 
in one month up to 4.2% of all mortgages. If we add then those uh, loans that already had been delinquent previously, so if we look at total delinquency rates, 60 and 90 day plus foreclosure, the, uh, the total delinquency rate jumped uh, almost doubling to 6.1% wow. all home mortgages in the United States. So 6.1% uh, 6, 6 are missing at least one payment. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we haven't seen numbers like that. Like it's bigger than 2008 and we really haven't seen numbers like that since the Great Depression, is that right? That's correct. It's, uh, it's bigger delinquency rates than we saw during the Great Recession. It's uh, off of a generational low uh, and it's the most that we have seen in probably about 75 years here wow. in the United States. Amazing. And so certainly the CARES Act, um, you know, my, the center I run, the Penny Wharton Budget Model, did a lot of uh, analysis before the CARES Act was released. That was, uh, it looked like it was incorporated in the CARES Act and then subsequently after the CARES Act was released. And certainly one of the provisions is, you know, the right to forbearance, you know, by submitting a request to your mortgage service provider if uh, uh, due to financial hardships. It, it briefly explain what that forbearance uh, is, what, you know, options giving the homeowners, but also how are you guys treating that in your data? Yeah, forbearance is a really important part of the CARES Act because there have been so many homeowners that have uh, seen a, a loss of income, a loss of jobs because of the pandemic recession. And as a consequence, uh, they're, they're experiencing financial stress that they hadn't anticipated uh, previously. And what the CARES Act provides is up to 360 days of forbearance for those borrowers who have a federally backed loan. Mm -hmm. Now, a federally backed loan means it's a loan that's either uh, FHA insured or VA guaranteed or part of the USDA Rural Housing Lending Program or a loan that's been uh, purchased by Fannie Mae or by Freddie Mac. Federally backed loans account for about three out of four home mortgages in the United States. So it covers most of the mortgages that are outstanding. Right. Those are the loans that are covered under the forbearance provisions of the CARES Act. Now in our data, uh, we weren't able to separate out and identify uh, every single one of the loans that were in forbearance. But uh, the, so some of the forbearance loans do show up in our statistics for being past due. Sure. Because for some of those borrowers who are in forbearance proceedings, they did miss a payment. And that's what's reflected in our data. Yeah, and that's ultimately what lenders are going to have to care about. Um, is missing the, uh, those payments. So what can we expect to see in, in terms of delinquency rates once you think the forbearance period uh, ends? Wow, uh, so, and that's where we have a lot of concerns. So yeah. looking out one year from now, especially if the recovery from the pandemic recession is sluggish and the unemployment rate remains elevated a year from now, uh, then I do think that uh, we're going to see much higher levels of delinquency with for higher rates of foreclosure too. The yeah. other thing that's happening in the market that I'm really concerned about is that as we look into 2021, home prices may weaken. 
because of the high level of unemployment, sapping demand to buy homes. Yeah. That we could see house price weakness. And in fact, we're projecting that home prices will likely decline in the US over the next 12 months. So if you, if you put those both factors together, that is the loss of income for homeowners triggering delinquency, and then a fall in home prices eroding and maybe eliminating any home equity wealth they have in the home, that really does raise the, um, the, the dangerous prospect of uh, foreclosure proceedings that ultimately result in booting the homeowner out of the home and the property going into REO or real estate owned by the financial institution. Yeah, and like you said, the weaker demand for housing with the weaker economy can lead to decline in home prices. But then we know when home prices go down, often people will strategically default because they're they're essentially looking around them, their neighbors and so forth. They see the home prices going down. They're saying basically underwater, you know, the value of my my mortgage is higher than the value of my equity, probably my home, or, and so I'll just you know walk away too. That has a vicious cycle it, that that will lead to even more more uh, uh, supply in the marketplace, even lower home prices. So is is that what you're looking for uh, toward in the future? Is potentially you know how much. Do you think home prices could be going down for you know multiple years, or are you seeing this as more of a kind of a one-year, two-year type of thing? We we see it concentrated in 2021, so I don't see it going on for multiple years. Mm. And this is very different from the um, the 2007, 2008, the Great right. Recession and house price bubble bust. We don't yeah. really have a national home price bubble right now. And we have uh, mortgages that were very uh, soundly underwritten. That's yeah. very different from what was the case back in 2006 and 2007. Yeah. So even though we're, we're projecting home prices to decline, our projection is only about a six to 7% uh, decline in home prices from peak to trough in 2021. That's very different from the Great Recession where we saw home prices in our national index fall 33% yeah. the trough. And it was extensive. It was over multiple years. Yeah. From 2006 through 2011, five years of price declines. We don't see that at all happening this time around. So while it's possible there'll be some strategic defaulters in some hard hit markets, overall, uh, I think that's going to be, that's not going to be uh, an important element. That's good. That's good news. I mean, we definitely saw that in 2008, but like you said, I mean, the loan quality is very different today, less liar loans and alt mortgages and everything else, but also um, the fact that there's many workers who had supply homes that construction industry, they've often, they uh, also have been at home as well. So you don't quite see the same bubble effects, both on the supply and demand side. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, when you see uh, uh, delinquencies on the, you know, the fact that delinquencies on the U.S. economy, let's talk about that feedback channel. Is certainly we have the economy itself causing delinquencies, um, and you know, as people lose jobs. Uh, but what impact um, do you see mortgage delinquencies having on the U.S. economy itself? Kind of the feedback the opposite direction. Well, it just, you know, it's, it saps purchasing power uh, from consumers. 
And you know, consumption repre represents about two thirds of um, uh, GDP. So if you have weakness in consumption spending, then that just makes it harder for um, uh, the overall economy as measured by GDP to yeah. expand and grow out of, um, out of the recession. Uh, home equity wealth is a component of total wealth for uh, a household. And um, when wealth declines, that impacts uh, consumption spending. Um, so there is a wealth effect that when wealth is rising, uh, that wealth effects helps to support additional consumer spending. And conversely, if wealth has declined, that has a negative impact on consumer spending. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly, you know, every day you see in the news, mortgage rates are the lowest ever, refinance not. I mean, where do you, so finally, where do you see mortgage rates going in, heading in, in the next year? I mean, um, it does seem like a pretty darn good time to be refinancing, although a lot of people, you know, you have to read the fine print, the closing costs are always much higher than what people think. Uh, but nonetheless, where do you see the rates going this year? And, and you're absolutely right, Kent. Boy, the mortgage rates have hit a record low. In the most recent survey from uh, Freddie Mac, which conducts a weekly mortgage rate survey, they found that the 30-year fixed rate mortgage averaged just below 3%. Yeah. 2.98%. That's, that's, it's remarkable. Remarkable. It, it is. It's absolutely remarkable. And the 15-year fixed rate mortgage also hit a record low of 2.48% as a national average. Yeah. Uh, and again, that product is very popular with people who are refinancing. Yes. Generally, the 30-year product is more for home purchase. People who refi either go with the 15-year, 20-year, or the 30-year loan. But the 15-year, very popular for people who refi. And I've got a couple of figures here I'll just share with you. Yeah. Um, given that 30-year fixed rate mortgage rates are at basically 3% right now, if you have a loan of with a $200,000 balance and you're currently paying 4% interest, which again, that's pretty, that was low. Well, you know, it was. We, low. we thought that was great back then. Exactly. We thought that was pretty great. <laughs> but if you currently have a 4% uh, mortgage rate, which, by the way, is the median interest rate for all the 30-year fixed-rate mortgages outstanding. So if you've got that median, 4%, which is a pretty low rate, if you refinanced into a 3% 30-year fixed rate, you would save $112 a month in the monthly principal and interest payment. That's about $1,344 a year. Right. Save in your pocket. Now, sure, there'll be some uh, maybe uh, origination costs you have to incur to refinance, but still, the payback period is probably pretty quick uh, to refinance into a, a 30 year loan uh, at 3% interest. And if you've got a bigger balance loan, let's say you're living a high cost market, you know, um, and you've got a loan that's a million dollar balance. Reducing the interest rate from 4% to 3% saves $558 each mm. month in principal and interest payment mm. for an annual total of about $6,700. So again, uh, the sensitivity of the refinance really depends on the size of your loan balance. Yeah. Now, you asked me about where mortgage rates are headed. 
I don't see them headed really any direction, maybe a little bit lower, but I don't see them going up at all, partly because uh, the Federal Reserve Board uh, and, and its chair, Chair Powell, have made it pretty clear that they're going to keep interest rates uh, pretty much as low as possible for the foreseeable future. Uh, and they've announced the federal funds target rate is going to stay where it is, which is basically between zero and 25 basis points yeah. through the end of 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't see 30-year fixed rate mortgage rates headed in any, any, uh, any particular direction. I certainly don't see them going up. I might see them even come, come down a little bit further. So, uh, so 3% or maybe lower 30-year fixed rate mortgage rates through the end of 2021. Yeah, you know, I would be telling people you don't gamble too much and wait for them to come down too much before you refinance and also take into account that what's advertised is closing costs. It's, take that number, maybe double it because you also have things like title insurance and all these other crazy things that you have to take into account. But nonetheless, uh, now, it's been, like you said, Frank, it, it's an amazing time. We used to think 4% was crazy low. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like Walmart at interest rates right now, low, low prices. So uh, fantastic job, uh, Frank. So thanks so much for coming on this show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. And you can check out uh, more uh, about uh, uh, Frank and uh, uh, Notaft, and is again, the, uh, the chief economist at CoreLogic, and more about just CoreLogic in general by going to their website, which is corelogic.com. Again, they're a B2B play, so it's not like uh, you're necessarily going to interact as a consumer as, as too much, but nonetheless, uh, very interesting work. You should definitely uh, keep, uh, if you're interested in special mortgages, uh, things like that, uh, it's a great website. So I'm Ken Smothers. This is Your Money. Remember, you can connect with me by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. Also, uh, link in with me there on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, and so forth, where you're listening to Business Radio Series XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.